us this morning. Matthew chapter 1, if you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one in front of you in the pew. Uh, I encourage you to follow along because I'm going to basically be reading the story of the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we're going to read through that and if you follow along with me or if you don't have a Bible with, me, with you and you want to listen, I'm definitely going to be reading the main whole story of the birth of Christ this morning. Uh, we're going to be there at verse 18, Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. I'm going to thank the, thank the man for getting up here and singing a special. And if you need to, I'm going to move this chair out of the way. Boy, if somebody needs to come through here to go to the bathrooms. I'm going to thank the men of the uh, church uh, for doing the special. And if you ever have a special the Lord lays on your heart and you want to do, man, please come up here. We need all the specials we can get to glorify Jesus Christ. It's real special. All right, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. See there, the Bible shows you that Joseph was a good man because according to the law, whenever you have a wife and they're not officially together, but as a spouse, I mean as a, a fiancé, they were considered a husband and wife in God's law. And when he found out that she was pregnant and he knows he hadn't touched her, he had the right by the law to bring her to the, to the men of the city and they would have stoned her to death out in front of the gates. That's what they were, they were to put her to death. But he said he didn't make a public example and was minded to put her away privately. So see, he was embarrassed about it. He was ashamed about it, but he was disappointed, of course. And he said, you know what, I love her. I don't want nothing to happen to her. And he just kind of, he couldn't believe it. So the angel shows up in verse 20. And, but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus. Jesus means Jehovah saves. That J-E in there is Jehovah. Jesus saves. Jehovah saves. But he saves what? The end of verse 21. He shall save his people from their sins. Jesus Christ was sent to save you from your sins. You're a sinner and you need a Savior to save you from your sins. And that's what he was sent for. Verse 22, now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So Jesus Christ is called Emmanuel, meaning that God himself has manifested himself into Jesus Christ. The Son of Man is the Son of God. That's what Emmanuel means, God with us. Jesus is God walking around. Verse 24, Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. I want to talk this morning and preach this morning, and what does the birth of Christ mean to you? What does the birth of Christ mean to you? Brother Hank, do you mind praying over this service, please, brother? Thank you. Lord, we extend these salvations for our brother today, Lord. And yes. For uh, the season that we're celebrating at Father Sunday, Lord. And Father, it's the uh, birth of your son, Jesus Christ. Yes. Father, Lord, as he came to seek and save that which is lost, Lord. Father, that he eventually is going to 
across our sins, Lord. Yes, Lord, blood, I pray, Lord. Father, would justify us, Lord, and we'd have a home that's only in heaven, Father, because of his work there on Calvary's tree, Lord. But uh, we do celebrate his birth today, Father, yes, Lord, Lord. what it means to us, Father, that we have a Savior, we have a living Savior, yes, Lord, Lord. That's, that's your right hand, Father, Lord. Yes. God, we just pray you be with uh, Brother Keegan as he brings the word this morning. Father, we just pray that the Holy Spirit will come, have his will and way. Father, here and Father, that the preaching of your word, Father, might save a lost sinner today. Yes, Lord. Please. Be in earshot of what's going on. Father, Lord, we thank you again for your son, and we ask it all in his precious and holy name. Amen. So the, the birth of Jesus Christ, Christmas time, means a lot to means different things to different people. And what as we look through this story of the birth of Jesus Christ, every time we come across somebody, we're going to talk about what did the birth of Christ mean to that individual. So first we're going to start with Joseph, the uh, the stepdad of Jesus Christ. What it meant to Joseph was simply that he humbled himself. He had to humble himself. He had to rec- he had to humble himself and believe God's word. And not only believe God's word, he had to obey God's word. It's very humbling to find out that your spouse-to-be was pregnant, and you know you hadn't touched her. And he had, to t- he had to take that faith when that angel showed up to him in that dream. He had to believe God's word that was given to him by the angel and believe that, hey, this is something going on, that God's working behind the scenes, and I just need to back off. And it's obvious that he did believe it because it says there in verse 25, he called his name Jesus. So not only did he believe God's word, Joseph, it was a time for him not only to believe God's word and to be humble, but to obey God's word. Because see, it was a father's responsibility to name the child. So as soon as that child was born, and it was a father's responsibility to name that child, he did, he followed and obeyed God's commandment and said, we'll call his name Jesus. Jesus. All right, turn to Matthew, look to Matthew chapter 2. Let's continue the story. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east of Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born, king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. So here's the wise men, and here they come. And it doesn't tell you how many wise men came. Now we always assume it was three because there's going to be three gifts given. But the Bible doesn't say three wise men. It could have been two wise men. It could have been 15 wise men. But they're wise. Why are they wise? Because they're seeking Jesus Christ. And they know prophecy, and they've studied the Word. They've studied Deuteronomy, and know there's supposed to be a star. It's supposed to appear, and that star is going to, be, is going to have a scepter. He's going to be a king. And they've put all the prophecy together and go, it's about that time for the, for the king to be born. And so they show up to Herod. So skip down to verse 9. Skip down to verse 9. And when they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold represents, is a gift that you give to a king. Gold is a gift you give to a king. Frankincense is a gift you give to a priest. That was what was used in the priestly service. It was, given to, it was given as a gift for, to be used as for a priest. Myrrh is a really, really strange gift. That'd be like this morning, next, uh, tomorrow morning you wake up and under the Christmas tree you open up your present, present and it's embalming fluid. Because that's what myrrh was used for. Yeah, why'd you give me this? 
what that they're doing they're giving gifts to represent the three aspects of key, of Jesus Christ as a king the first aspect was he was going to be a king the second aspect he was going to be a priest a high priest and he is today he's our high priest and thirdly he was going to be a suffering prophet that was going to die for his people for the people of the world and for the sins of the people that's what those three gifts represent what did the what did the christmas time what did the birth of christ mean to the wise men it simply means it was time to worship god to worship god and to give gifts so as christians at this time of year we tend to what we give gifts let me ask you a question this morning though have you thought about who deserves the biggest gift i think the biggest gift who the man who deserves the biggest gift would be our lord and savior jesus christ and I thought about this and meditated on it, and I thought, what could I give the Lord Jesus Christ? This is a God that owns a cattle on a thousand hills. What can a beggar give a king? Nothing physical. Amen? There's nothing physical that we can give, but we can give our heart to Jesus Christ. Let me take it a little bit step further. Maybe, have you thought about maybe getting rid of some sin for Jesus Christ? Let me think about, let me say it this way. What would make Jesus Christ the happiest? Because when we give a gift, we're trying to make that person we're giving it to happy, right? We're trying to make them happy. We're trying to please them. What would be the thing that would please Jesus Christ the most? Wouldn't it be to get rid of some sin in our heart? To get rid of some sin in our life? Is there some sin you're dealing with this morning that you've been dealing with all year long? Maybe you've been dealing with it for decades. Maybe it's time at this Christmas time to say, Lord Jesus, I'm going to give you a gift, and that gift is I'm going to do the best of my ability to cut that sin out, because I know it'll please you. Maybe you've been kind of hesitant to do something for the Lord Jesus Christ. These young men and these men came in and were given their gifts that the Lord had given them as musicians to give it back to the Lord Jesus Christ in praise and worship. Maybe there's some deed, something that you've been holding back on that the Lord's been kind of speaking to your heart. Maybe it's that time to say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to give you that gift, and I'm going to do what you want me to do. I don't know what it'd be, but that's between you and the Lord, amen? Matthew chapter 2, look at, back up at verse 3. Look back up at verse 3. Let's move on. Let's go back to, look at verse 3. Matthew 2, verse 3. Let's go on to Herod. When Herod, the king, had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. <laughs> Man, that's what Christmas does for some people. It troubles them. Man, that was bringing joy, and we're going to see some rejoicing going on. We're seeing these wise men looking for the king. They want to worship him, and Herod hears this, and Herod, he's troubled. He's troubled by that. Verse 4, And when he gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the prince of Judah, princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. They're giving the prophecy. Everybody knows that prophecy is coming up. Verse 7, then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, he calls the wise men to the side. He said, hey guys, I need to talk to you. Come over here. Inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem. I want to say something about Bethlehem. Bethlehem is the house of bread. Bethlehem means house of bread. Jesus Christ said, I am the bread of life. That bread of life was born in the house of bread. He sent to them Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. So Herod says, hey, I want to worship this king. Hey, guys, hey, come here. When you find him, hey, come back and let me know where he's at so I can go worship him too. He's lying, isn't he? 
It's a bald-faced lie. Because what happens there, skip down to verse 12. Skip down to verse 12. Same chapter, verse 12. And being warned of God in a dream, that they, this is the wise men, that they should not return to Herod, they departed in their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee to Egypt. And be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek to, to the young child to destroy him. Skip down to verse 16 for time's sake. Then Herod, this is Herod, when he, saw, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wrath and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and all the coast thereof from two years old and under according to the time which he had diligently acquired of the wise men. See, it was a time for Herod, it was a time to be troubled, and it was a time to murder babies. See, some t people use Christmas time as a political time. It's something to be political about it. It's I'm doing it because everybody else is doing it. I really don't care about Jesus. I don't care about the baby. I don't care about King Jesus. I'm not religious. I'm, I'm actually a, a practicing atheist. So I'm just here because it's just a time that everybody does. This is something that my family does, everybody else does. Here, why don't you cut it out and stop playing around? Don't be like Herod. Because what that leads to, it troubles you enough to where you might murder somebody. Oh, preacher, I would never do that. Yeah? You don't think so? Well, you know what? I'm a pastor, been a pastor for about 20 years, and I know the heart of people, and I know what's in people. And it isn't no good thing. That's a good Christmas message for you. <laughs> no good thing. Let's look on to Luke chapter 1. Look on to Luke chapter 1. Let's get away from that one. That's just too tough. Everybody gets real quiet when we start talking about Herod. He was troubled. He had a fear of losing his power. Look at Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. So Herod had a fear of losing his power. He didn't want to lose his power, see. What was, why, he killed, why he was out killing those babies, Herod was killing all those babies because he didn't want one of those babies to take away his political power. He was power hungry. And he says, man, if there's a king of the Jews, surely he'll take my place, so let's just wipe him out. See, that's what the world wants to do. They want to get rid of Jesus. They don't like Jesus. They use Xmas instead of Christmas. They say happy holidays. They don't say Merry Christmas. They want everything they can do to celebrate with the Christians, but they don't want to be a Christian. I think that's called being a hypocrite myself. They got their holiday. They can worship on April 1st, on April Fool's Day. They got their atheists have their holiday. We got our holiday, amen? And some of y'all get that later on when you get home, I guess. Luke, Luke chapter 1. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Luke chapter 1. Let's go back to Mary. Now let's go back to Mary. Let's focus on Mary. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, and of course we know about Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came into her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Not above women. The Bible says she's blessed among women. I just wish my Catholic friends would just do a Bible study on Mary. That's all I ask. I'm not asking you to believe what I believe. Just do a, do, stop listening to the Catholic Church. Stop listening to what the priest tells you. Just open up a Bible and do your own Bible study on Mary. You might be amazed what you'll find out about the Mary that you're worshiping, the Mary that you think is immaculate. 
says she was blessed among women. And when she saw him, when Mary saw him, the angel, Gabriel, she was troubled at his saying and casting her mind, what manner of salutation this should be? And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and he was, and shall be called the son of the highest, and he is and the Lord get, God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and that's coming. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And it's going to happen. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. That's the millennial king. Praise God. That's their Savior. See, when you, you're taking Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're, not you're taking him as your Lord and Savior. Jesus is not only your Savior, he's not only your friend, he's your king. He's your Lord. He's the Lord of the universe. He's not only just a king, brothers and sisters. He's king of kings and Lord of lords. Verse 34, then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Good question. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the high shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. That's God manifested in the flesh. Verse 36, And behold thy cousin Elizabeth, she'll, uh, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Now Elizabeth, she, her child is John the Baptist. John the Baptist shows up a little earlier than Christ, and John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. That's John the Baptist, when he sees Jesus coming. So John the Baptist and Jesus by birth were uh, cousins. Verse 37, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Maybe you're in here this morning and you're a wicked, mighty wicked sinner. I don't want to know your sins. I'm not a priest. I don't want you to come confess your sins. But I'm here to tell you that you might be down there thinking, well, there's no way God can save me. If God knows everything I've done, there's no way he can save you. He wants to save you. There's a man that did so many wicked deeds. He was crucified, got the death penalty, was hanging with Christ, and he simply said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus Christ said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. That, the deathbed confession, Jesus Christ will take you. He's there. Nothing's impossible with God. He can save anybody. Verse 38, And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. We see here it's a time for Mary to believe God's word. See, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. See, she was getting this a message from the angel, just like Joseph. And just like Joseph who believed God's word, Mary believed God's word. See, you think that's simple. But it's not so simple. See, I could show you, I could sit down for hours and hours with some of y'all and show you all the prophecies of the Bible, how incredible this book is, show you all the incredible things about it, how it's amazing, how it's true, how you can believe it, and you could walk away and say, well, I still don't believe. Some of y'all in here hadn't been shown any of what I just talked about, and still you say, I believe because it was said. You're either going to believe or not believe. Joseph chose to believe, and so did Mary. She, it was a time for her to believe God's word. Skip down to verse 45. Skip down to verse 45. We're talking about Mary. And blessed is she that believeth, for there shall be a great performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, verse 46, Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. 
Amen. It was a time for Mary to acknowledge that she needed a Savior. My Catholic friends, Mary wasn't immaculate. Immaculate means she wasn't perfect. She wasn't born of a virgin also. The, the Catholic Church has got to the point where they teach that Mary never sinned. And it says here that Mary says, He's my Savior. You need a Savior. Everybody in this room needs a Savior, including Mary. She says, my spirit, my soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced. Why are you rejoicing, Mary? Because God is my Savior. That's why we sing loud in here. That's why we glorify Jesus Christ, because He's our Savior. And he, she's recognizing that, that she needs a Savior. And she's blessed, not immaculate. Blessed, not immaculate. Let's move on. Let's move on to the next one. Go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Let's move on to the next one. Luke chapter 2. We spent enough time with Mary. Let's move on. Blessed, not immaculate. Mary's blessed, but not immaculate. Mary was blessed among women. We are, she is blessed to be able to carry the Savior, but she's not immaculate. She's not sinless. She sure, for sure can't hear your prayers. You ever been around a bunch of people praying at the same time? It's hard to concentrate. It's like bees buzz. I went up to a prayer room there at Pensacola, Florida, and there was you go up you go up to this prayer closet, and there was you walk up the stairs, and to the right, all the men got here and they prayed, and to the left, all the women went that way and they prayed. And man, you start walking up those stairs, it sounded like a beehive. And you got in there, man, everybody's praying out loud at the same time. I couldn't even hear myself think, and but it hits you. How can God hear all these prayers and separate them out at the same time? Only God could do that. And if you think Mary's doing that, she has to be a God. Isn't that funny how they kind of glorify her to almost put her in God-like status? That's of the devil. Jesus Christ is the only one that should be glorified. Amen. Amen. All right, chapter 2, verse 1. Let's move on. And it came to pass in those days... Let's move ahead. In those days that there went, a, went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. I know y'all don't like taxes as much as I don't like paying taxes, but they were paying them back in Jesus' time. Notice it's Caesar Augustus. At this time, Caesar Augustus sends out all the world should be taxed. It was a time to make money. For Caesar Augustus, it was a time to make money. And for some people, maybe somebody in this room, Christmas time is just a, simply a time to make more money. It's when they have the Black Friday sales and they start shooting for Christmas. And man, all the, the businesses, they start trying to get into the red, I mean into the black because they, they want to make more money. It's all about making money, especially the corporations and the government. It's all about making money. And Caesar Augustus at this time, it's just about making money. Okay, let's move on. Move on to verse 4. Move on to verse 4. This is one of the ones I want to really focus on this morning. Verse 4. And Joseph, and we've already talked about Joseph, also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea and to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. She's about to be, she's about to pop, let's say. She's about to have the baby. So it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in a swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. I want to focus the rest of this morning on the people of the inn. I don't know if you've really thought about it or meditated on it, but there were people at the inn, and what, how did they deal with Jesus Christ? 
How did they deal with the birth of Jesus Christ? Well, they were cold and indifferent. It didn't mean nothing to them. They were cold and indifferent. Can you imagine? I mean, let's take all this out. Let's take all the prophecy out. Let's take all the specialness of the birth of Jesus Christ, being born of a virgin. Let's take all this out. And here's a young woman. She's very, very pregnant. She's about to deliver her child. And the people up there at the end are like, we don't have room for her. I don't want to make room for her. I don't want to make room. She can just go out there and have that baby out in the field. That's how people were talking. They didn't, they didn't care that she was about... Does it not amaze you that people could be so cold and so indifferent that they don't care about a young woman about to have a child? It's like, no, I'm not going to make room for her. Me and my wife, we're good. <laughs> I don't want her in my room. People can be cold and indifferent. If you don't know that, come work for the city of Brownwood. You'll find out how cold and indifferent people can be. You think they would have changed their mind if they would have known who it was? You think if they, they said, hey, see that child out there? That child one day is going to be a king. Oh, really? Oh, come on in here, lady. Come on in. We'll let you stay right here because I want to get the favor of a king. People might change their ways if they know who they're helping or who they're not helping. Christ says we should help everybody. Jesus Christ taught us we should love the, one, we should love the people who love us. We should also love our enemies. Do good to those that don't, do good to those that despitefully use you, our Lord and Savior taught us. And these people are cold and indifferent. You got to be careful how you treat others. You don't know where they're going to go and where they're going to be. The old saying is you got to be careful how you treat people going up because you're going to meet the same people when you go down. Uh, some of y'all in here worked a long time at the same job. I've worked uh, 20-something years at my job. And there's some people that I met going up that treated me really bad. And now that I'm up at the top at my, at my department, it's funny how they treat me now. See, you get up so high, they let us start wearing, they call it the blue shirts. They got blue shirts. We don't even have to, we don't even have, to have reflective on our shirts because we're blue shirts. And that's what the guy said. You're a blue shirt. You get to do what you want to do. Yeah, I get to do what I want to do. You're a blue shirt, this, a blue shirt. And it's amazing how there's this one person in particular I'm thinking about. I'm not going to call him by name. God knows I'm praying for him because he's my enemy. But he treated me like a dog. He talked to me like a dog. He would, he would cuss me. He'd do everything else. And now that I got a blue shirt, man, it's just like it, we're best friends. How you doing, man? How's things going? What you been doing? Yeah, I'll do that. You got to be careful how you treat people. You never know how they're going to, where you're going to come back, when you come back down, or when you're going up, you're going to meet the same people. I was listening to a story by uh, Chuck Swindoll. Some of y'all know Chuck Swindoll, Dallas Theological Seminary. He was talking about, he was in a, he was in a drive-thru of McDonald's, and he was, he was kind of taking him a while to get his order in, and this woman behind him started honking her horn. <laughs> honking her horn. And then he said she started cussing him, yelling at him, saying all kinds of bad things about him. So he pulls around. You know how McDonald's works? He, he, Chuck Swindoll said, I pulled around and I went into the first window and I paid for her meal. That's the Christmas spirit, amen. I paid for her meal. And he said, I pulled up to the second window and I looked in the back and I guess she, he said, I guess she saw, the guy told her that guy in front of you paid for your meal. And Chuck Swindoll said, that woman we reached out there with a big old smile. Thank you. Thank you. How her attitude changed. Chuck Swindoll said, so when I got up to the second window, I took my receipt and her receipt, and I said, hey, I want both those meals. <laughs> and he said, I took both of the meals, and I drove off. <laughs> and now she was going to have to go up there, go all the way back and get in line. 
Now, that's the true Christmas spirit, amen. <laughs> amen, that's a true, you've got to be taught a lesson. He said, uh, I, I wrote this quote down, it was so funny. Don't, uh, don't uh, be careful how you treat old people because they've been around a long time. That's what he said. <laughs> so be, be careful next time you're cussing out the old person in front of you at McDonald's. Man, they're taking too long. Get it, hurry up, you old man. He might buy your meal and then take it back from you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny how people are about Christmas. It's cold and indifferent. Just don't care. You know the humbugs, the Grinches. To me, I love Christmas. Christmas has always been my favorite time of year. And we know, we can study the Word of God and know that Jesus Christ was actually born around the end of September. We know that. I mean, it's real easy to study the Word of God and figure that out. But I've had people accuse me. I've had other brothers and sisters. I had a sister one time. Sister in Christ called me and said, Christ wasn't born on December 25th. I said, I know. Then why are you worshiping him? Because that's when I choose to do it. So leave me alone. <laughs> My son's birthday is on uh, December 19th. We hardly ever worship, uh, we don't hardly ever have his birthday party on December 19th. It's too close to Christmas. We usually have it way off, because that's when I choose to do it. That's when I choose to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the birth of him is on December 25th. That's when I choose to do it. And I love to do it. Don't let them take away your joy. They love to try, the devil loves to come in and try to take your joy. Don't let them let, take your joy away from you. Let's move on. Let's move on quickly. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there, was some, there were in the same country shepherds. Abiding in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, everybody, all people, Gentiles and Jews. Notice that the Lord sent the angels to the working man working the night shift. He could have sent them to the kings. He could have sent them to the governors, to the scribes, to the Pharisees, to the religious leaders. He could have sent them to the rich people. But God Almighty chose to send these people to the working man working the night shift. That's our Lord God right there. Amen. For verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was, the, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass that the angel was gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Excuse me, and they, made hay, and they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all those things and pondered them in her heart. Mary was wondering. But notice here, notice here verse 20. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. See, the shepherds, this was a time to glorify and praise God. I think what most of y'all in here doing. Most of y'all in here, if you took the time to come out here on a, on a Sunday morning, on a Christmas Eve, you've chose to glorify and praise God for Jesus Christ. And I've noticed that there's not a lot of doctors in here. There might be one coming up. Not a lot of lawyers. Not a lot of very wealthy people. Just a common man, amen? Working, the working man. See, because we get it. 
A lot of us started at the bottom. A lot of us, a lot of us grew up kind of poor. A lot of us didn't have a lot going up. And we understand that when we came to Jesus Christ, we were beggars. That God, through Jesus Christ, was getting nothing when he got kicking. When he got me, he was getting a bad deal. And when I came to Jesus Christ, I came crying and weeping because I knew I was a sinner and I just wanted to be saved. I didn't want to go to hell. And I knew I deserved to go to hell. And God, by his infinite grace, and Jesus Christ, by his infinite love and grace, just said, come here, Kegan, I love you. I'll take care of you and I'll save you. I want to save you. It's, it's an amazing thing to know God's love. And these shepherds, they know it. Let's skip down to a couple more verses. Verse 25. Verse 25. We're getting close to closing. Verse 25. Let's skip down. Some, there's a couple more people maybe you hadn't thought about when it came to the birth of Christ. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, they were going in to get him circumcised. It was the eighth day. They were getting Mary supposed to have a turtle dove. She was supposed to, for her sin, because she was a sinner, she was having all this stuff done. That's why they came in. Verse 28, then took he him up. Simeon takes Jesus up in his arms and blessed God and said, look what Simeon says, verse 29. Lord, now let us, thou thy servant depart in peace, according to thy word. I can die now is what he's saying. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of, the, of thy people Israel. He's saying this right here is for not only Jews, not only Israel. He's a Jew, but he's for the whole world, for the Gentiles. That's for me and you, everybody in this room. Praise God. But notice what he says in verse 30. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. I can't get this over enough, so let me say as plain as I can. Salvation is in a person, not a thing. Salvation is not in a work. Salvation is not in a church. Salvation is in a person. He's holding the baby and he says, I've seen thy salvation. He's seen Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only place you're going to find salvation. You're not going to find salvation in religion. You're not going to find salvation in the church. You're not going to find salvation... Anywhere else, you're not going to find it in works. You're not going to find it in feeding the poor. You're not going to find it in getting baptized. You're not going to find it in getting sprinkled. You're not going to find salvation in reading your Bible. You're only going to find salvation when you put your heart onto Jesus Christ and ask him to save you. That's the only place salvation is found. Jesus, God Almighty, only decorated one tree. And that tree he decorated at Christmas time, he decorated it with one gift, and that gift is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only way you're going to get, to get to heaven is through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Skip down. Skip down to Anna, verse 36, and we're closing. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Aser. She was of a great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years. She was about 84 years old, which departed not from the temple. She stayed in the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. So Anna was a prophetess that stayed there at the temple. Look at verse 38, though. And she coming in at that instant, when Simeon has the Lord Jesus, the baby Jesus, she coming in in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. 
So Anna, the last one we're looking at this morning, it was a time for her to talk about redemption. Redeemed. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeems means, redemption is simply meaning that you've been put into hock, you've been put into a pawn shop, you did something that, you've been put into bondage, and now you've been bought back. Um, my favorite Christmas movie probably is a, It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, outside of Scrooge. It's a Wonderful Life. And in that movie, of course, he makes the decision he's going to kill himself. He's messed up. Life's no good. He doesn't think anybody loves him. And he goes and he's about to jump off and he's about to kill himself. Right? And then the angel takes him. And the angel takes him and shows him what life's going to be like if he was, what life's going to be like without him, if he never lived. And it shows him. And y'all, y'all know the story. Y'all know the movie. And then at the end, he, he decides he doesn't want to die. He wants to, he wants to, he wants to keep living. He wants to, and then what, he gets a new life. And then God works out a miracle where he gets the money. And all the people take care of him. Listen, that story, that story is wonderful. And it's so, it's so powerful. And why people, it don't matter if you're an atheist or a believer. People love that movie. is for the simple fact of redemption. That movie is about redemption. What I'm trying to say to you, brothers and sisters, that movie's about getting a second chance. And we serve a God of second chances. And you might be in here this morning, you might have screwed up all year long. 2023 might have been the worst year of your life. It might have been the worst year that you've done. First things you've never done before you've done in 2023. But I'm telling you, we serve a God of redemption. We serve a God of second chances. And third chances. And fourth chances. And fifth chances. Brothers and sisters, we serve a God of infinite chances, of infinite graces. And he wants to help you. He wants to help you wherever you're at. And if you're not saved here this morning, he wants to save you. And he wants to keep you. We're not serving a God that just wants to save you. Because I know where your heart's at. If you're in here and you don't know Jesus Christ, you might say, well, I might come down and believe, but I can't do it. Because then I'm going to have to start doing this and start doing that. Don't worry about any of that. Allow the Lord to work through you. What God wants to do is you will come down here. He wants to save you. And then this same God, he wants to keep you. So you need to make a decision for the Lord this morning. Come on down. We're about to give an invitation. You need to take Jesus Christ, your Lord, and Savior. Come on down. We'll get, get you saved. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the Internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now it's an amazing verse of course talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. 
But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.